Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. For the better part of the next three hours, I am your voice. This is Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We've got the final Miller Lite top draft of the football season. Cannot wait to break down everything we saw throughout last night on Monday Night Football. As always, when we do the top draft, Bears legend Lance Briggs will join me in just a little while here, but I do have some time to spend with you solo until we get to 7 o'clock. I'm with you from 6 to 9 throughout the evening, and I am coming to you live from Moretti's in Edison Park, Moretti's Ristorante and Pizzeria. I've had folks telling me all throughout the week how special a place this is, how exceptional the food and beverage is at this spot. And so, with all the history that the score apparently has here at this location, very excited to be bringing not only the final middle light top draft of the football season, but also my first foray into to being here and experiencing what they bring, literally what they will bring to the table. Boss man Mitch Rosen already tweeting at me about the pizza. Loho was telling me yesterday about the pizza here, so I've already placed my order. It has been put in. There are folks lining up already entering the contest, trying to make sure they have opportunities to win tickets as folks have come out here and joined up with us. So you should come out here and join up with us at well at Moretti's in Edison Park because they got the pizza, they got the Miller Lite flowing, they got everything you could hope for to experience. Make sure you come here and join us. We'll be here for the next three hours. Lance Briggs will be with me starting at 7 o'clock. So looking forward to that discussion with the man himself about what we saw on the field with the Bears last night. It was a, a little bit of a, a different experience in taking all those things in because it was not a Sunday game. Of course, it was a Monday game for the Bears. There will be plenty to get into along those lines. But for, for me, because this is my first time out at Moretti's, I will, I will keep you updated throughout the evening with the great staff that's here, been taking care of us so far, and just make sure that everyone knows that uh, 
whether it's been the the history of the score here, whether it's been uh, you know consumption that has taken place of food and beverage, whether it's been the the hottest of takes that have probably emanated from the mics here as folks have been out at Moretti's in years past. I'm, I'm going to make sure we hold it down and, and bring the energy, bring the heat, bring everything that folks tend to expect when they come out here for food and beverage and sports talk. Uh, what, what I'm seeing so far, been here for a little while. I've checked out the inside. I've checked out the outside. We do have some folks out here braving some chilly conditions, you know, manageable, but but certainly a little bit chilly. I, I see folks uh, folks of, of adult age, I see folks of a young age out here taking things in, so very much looking forward to spending the next three hours with you folks. We'll talk plenty of bears, but a lot of bulls to discuss as well. As I reference, Lance Briggs will be here with me in a little bit, as he always is for our Miller Lite Top Drafts, but also Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago will be with me in a little while also. We'll talk some bulls because when you're 7-3, and three, 10 games in, one of the most exciting teams in the league statistically, one of the more successful teams on each end of the court in the NBA, cannot be on here for several hours without talking some bulls. So we'll do that in just a few minutes as well. But like I referenced, happy to add my name to the, the story list of the scoreheads who've been out here. And uh, because this is our final one of the season, I'm going to consume as much as, as humanly possible. So like I said, pizza is on the way. But uh, if anyone has some, some other suggestions, I know a lot of you out there listening have probably partaken at Moretti's before, so feel free to text in at 312-644-6767. Text Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Uh, we'll, we'll find some time to open the phone lines at, at certain points throughout the evening, so you can give us a call at that same number. And, of course, uh, from a studio perspective, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Um, and and the, the leaves are falling, which is nice because we are into the fall portion of the calendar. The clocks have turned. Um, I'm not very effective at remembering which one is, is daylight savings time, which one is standard time. I just think of it in the, the spring forward, fall back terms. And uh, I probably apologize in advance. I'm a little bit sleep deprived because of the, the late game last night because of the Bears being on Monday Night Football. And then I, I get up early in the mornings. I do my, my Sirius XM Big Ten show. And so coming off of a weekend where I spent the bulk of the weekend in the Twin Cities because I, I do a, a Big Ten tailgate show, we do a pregame show that I was in Minneapolis for where the Illini were able to upset Minnesota over the weekend. So all you Illini fans and all you Io DeSumo fans who are out there will get some IU, IO talk later in the show also. But I was out there uh, for that game, then stayed and got to hang out with a few friends uh, for, for some of the weekend, watched the Iowa Hawkeyes beat Northwestern also. And then so I, I didn't get home until Sunday. So I came home Sunday afternoon, and the, the wife who coaches field hockey out at Oak Park River Forest, they made the state championship game. They finished as the number two team in the state. So I got back in time for her to go and do her, her state championship banquet thing and then hung out, hung out with the toddler for a little while Sunday uh, evening. And then got to uh, just kind of make sure I took some things in before I went on to the sports zone Sunday night. So get up early Monday, work all day, then the Bears game last night. So I am, a, I am a little bit, admittedly, a little bit sleep deprived. But I am ready for this. I'm ready for this pizza. We'll see how quickly they get it out to me at Moretti's. And I will keep you updated on how much I'm enjoying it. I'm more of a deep dish guy normally. But the, the thin crust here was recommended highly by several folks. So I'm, I'm certainly excited for that because I'm hungry. So it's not gonna, it might have been the first thing I ordered, but definitely not going to be the last thing that I order while I'm here. Of course, I keep referencing the the Bears game from last night and the the way that the game itself ended up playing out. Um, 
and I, I tweeted it as soon as the game ended before going on Bears postgame live on Fox 32. The, the excitement that I had from the performance of Bears rookie quarterback Justin Fields. Now, the, the result of the game is still important. I, I think it, it matters. It's not a non-factor in my opinion, and I'm confident there's a bunch of guys in that locker room that it's not a non-factor for them because there are a slew of Bears players on each side of the football who are in contract years or are just longer in the tooth in their NFL careers and are hoping to have an opportunity to do something successful from a team perspective. And, you know, I think it's it's easier for a lot of us on the outside looking in. Like I certainly haven't thought the entire season the Bears are going to, like, win the Super Bowl or anything like that, but you play these games to win them. And the discussion about going from Andy Dalton to Justin Fields and which one gives them a better chance to win and, and all those aspects of it. In the end, we, we've seen a good sample size of Justin Fields at this point. And, you know, my contention early on was it, it depends on the system they're running. And if they wanted to run that same offense we saw Matt Nagy running with all, all the shotgun and all the stand in the pocket and all the volume passing and everything, then Andy Dalton was going to be better suited for that. Hopefully, like I've talked about a bit here lately, I thought the Tampa Bay game was a regression, not only for Justin Fields, but, but for the offensive system that they were, that it looked like they'd begun to commit to. They went away from that against Tampa, and Justin Fields' uh, performance regressed a little bit. But now, multiple games in a row of the evidence of how consistency of their system and consistency of the personnel he's getting to work with can continue to enhance his growth at the position and what he can continue to do. And so there was no doubt that last night, certainly Justin Fields' best game as a professional quarterback. And I think what we all obviously would hope would be just the, the latest of many enhancing performances over and over again for, for what could end up being, you know, maybe may a great career for a Bears QB. You know, we don't want to take too far of a leap going too far ahead down that road, but the excitement is warranted. It is legitimate. And uh, I, I think that, because he was able to do it on that stage. Now, where Justin Fields has been so much of the, the conversation around the National Football League and whether or not the, the Bears are doing right by him, whether or not his performance warrants his draft status, whether or not he's going to be able to, to kind of step his game up. For those, and you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily count myself amongst those who had, who had questions at this point about Justin Fields, because the statistical end of it, I did feel like would end up eventually coming. But the sheer productivity of his position, how he's graded snap by snap, I think it's especially for a rookie quarterback important to keep into context where you're seeing progress made. And the Tampa Bay game was the only game that I've evaluated of Justin Fields as a starting quarterback with the Bears where I felt like there was not legitimate progress that had been made. Beyond the stats, just watching his comfort in the pocket, the the quickness and efficiency that he's reading coverages with, the comfort that he displays in doing so, how quickly does he abort the play and, and look to run around and drop his eyes towards the pass rush, the accuracy that he displays from within the pocket, all those things to me have shown improvement week in and week out. Again, aside from the, the one blip, uh, I think since his time as a starter where you're hoping for that ascension each week has been that Tampa Bay game where I did think there was some aggression. And as I've referenced here on the station many times, I think the, the system and, and what they did offensively in that game was a big factor in that, where they, they didn't necessarily help him out very much in those regards. So I'm not, I'm not shocked, probably not even surprised, what we saw last night because there's been evidence along the way 
in evaluating Justin Fields that this was coming. And even when you look at the way the game played out last night, I mean, throughout the first half of that game, a lot of the offensive miscues that were there were, you know, not to alleviate him of, of all fault because to to reference, you know, there was a, a an in cut, you know, a, a dig route that that he led Marquise Goodwin too far and led him into traffic and, you know, Goodwin ends up taking a big hit. It's a missed opportunity, you know, just from a sheer accuracy perspective. Yeah, you make the right read. You got to put the ball on the receiver's chest. Uh, there was even a, on the one of the initial drives of the game where they had like a third and five where he had Allen Robinson. Again, made the proper read, but didn't put the ball on A-Rob. Ended up throwing it more towards his back hip and kind of threw it short of him, and it was a little bit delayed with the read. So it ends up going down as a completion, but Allen Robinson basically has to fall to the ground to make the catch, and so it doesn't end up leading to an opportunity to extend that drive, to move the chains on a third down. So Justin Fields was definitely imperfect early in that game. But when you're looking at the totality of what was going on with you know, multiple false start penalties, with breaking the huddle out of a timeout with illegal formation, with having to realign receivers who, for whatever reason, are misaligned at different points. And maybe part of that is, is some verbiage where they break the huddle and he didn't say something correctly. But I did think that there were, there were moments early in that first half or early in the game throughout most of the first half where you saw some opportunities that were missed, some things that weren't taken advantage of by the Bears that did not relate to Justin Fields not being prepared, did not relate to mistakes being made by Justin Fields. But not only did he respond and did his game pick up, but you saw the game of his teammates, the game of receivers and tight ends. And, and the offensive line, I thought, overall against a, a difficult scheme and a, a talented defensive front, ended up playing, playing well throughout, throughout much of that game, even though in the end you saw where T.J. Watt ends up with three sacks on the ledger. So it's a good night for him, no doubt. But there wasn't this consistent onslaught of T.J. Watt defeating blockers one-on-one -on -one to get to the quarterback. So I thought schematically they did some worthwhile things that kept the pocket on the move in the way that you want them to be able to do with Justin Fields. And certainly having that balance run the pass ends up playing a big role in how you keep the opposing defense off balance, how you make sure you're taking some of that load off of a young quarterback and off of you know what's at certain, certain spots in an inexperienced offensive line. And really, regardless of the experience of the old line, I just think that's important to have some ability to, to throw off the opposing pass rush. I think back to when I was young and Peyton Manning was in his prime with the Colts before he kind of got older and beat up. The Indianapolis Colts would still constantly use boot action and sprint action and hard play action and Peyton Manning under center and do things and certainly adjusting the snap count, things that, that took some of the starch out of the opposing pass rush that we're seeing the Bears get more and more consistently into as a part of their offense. And that, that not only takes pressure off of Justin Fields, but it takes pressure off of that offensive line where you're not just teeing off over and over again on the backfield if you're one of those opposing defensive linemen. So I like where the Bears are at. It, it should be exciting. And it doesn't, in my opinion, it shouldn't just eliminate. I, I don't think we we should spend the rest of the season ignoring wins and losses, but, but certainly coming out of last night's game, the chief storyline was, and it should be, the, the progress that was made by Justin Fields, the, the productivity that was there where some of those little ingredients that, that were showing, in my opinion, for the weeks, and you know, me cautioning folks not to just assume that because he wasn't throwing for over 200 yards in a game that it meant he wasn't improving, he wasn't getting better, and folks were kind of waiting for for the breakout moment to see big yardage happen, to see more chunk plays take place, and they got a look at that last night. So I, I think that you know you, you finally got that tangible evidence, the tangible 
statistical evidence uh, for those who needed it that that he's doing more than just improving. You know, he, he's impressing, he's emerging, and that that's a great thing. You know, if you're a Bears fan, if you're someone who just loves watching quality football, if you like evaluating the quarterback position, there was a lot that he put on film last night. Uh, even, you know, there were some moments that were just flat out special, but even the things that weren't special, even just the mundane, the rudimentary sort of things that he did, he just is getting more and more comfortable in in his skin as a QB and what he needs to do to accomplish big things as a quarterback to keep this offense moving. So that that is a lot of fun to see. We're going to have an opportunity to get into even some more some more minutiae about that, like I referenced Lance Briggs, as he always does. For the middle light top draft, he will join me here in just a little while. And since the game was just last night, and Lance is, of course, on his show, the football after show on NBC Sports Chicago. So he was able to give his thoughts on TV afterwards. This will be the first opportunity here on the score for Lance to give his breakdown on what he saw from Justin Fields, from the Bears' offense, from the Bears' defense, and, and what the bye week means for this team, you know, where they sit right now, and, and what they should be looking to accomplish as you get beyond the bye here. But even just curious how Lance tended to spend his bye weeks. You know, we'll, we'll have an opportunity as Lance is going to be here with me for a good hour and a half to, to talk about a number of different things just from his experience as one of the great players in the NFL during his career, so looking forward to, uh, to talking about that. And a number of other things with Lance. We are at the Middle Light Top Draft. This is Moretti's in Edison Park. Moretti's Ristorante and Pizzeria. Like I mentioned, I got some pizza on the way already, so you should come out here, get some pizza on the way for yourself also. Make sure you have, if you are of age, have all the Miller Lights you can handle too, because they got plenty of that on the inside here. This is one of the, one of the, I guess I would say, one of the favored spots for remotes from the way it's been communicated to me. Uh, for folks at the score over the years. So I feel very, very pleased and privileged to be here at Moretti's. But we are brought to you by Miller Lite, proud beer partner of your Chicago Bears, a taste Bears fans can depend on because it's Miller time. And passes to the Miller Lite loft and Miller Lite midway for Sunday, January 2nd. That game towards the end of the Bears regular season against the New York Giants. You can come over now that we are on the air. We got the sign-up table over here to sign up for your opportunity to win tickets. There have already been folks lining up to do that. But make sure you take advantage of it because a pair of tickets in the middle light loft and a pair of passes to the midway for that Giants game on the second. The winners will be drawn by tomorrow, you know, sometime in the next 24 hours, and tickets will be provided the week of game day. So make sure you come out for that. Make sure you come out for the pizza and the beverages. Make sure you come out to see Lance Briggs because he loves having a good time talking about his beloved Bears. We'll take our first time out and come back. Like I referenced, it's going to be some Bulls talk that we'll get into later on this hour with Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. We'll come back, though. I do want to hear a little bit from Bears coach Matt Nagy. I'm going to give a, a few more of my thoughts on, on some, of the, some of the things that we witnessed on the field last night and what the Bears have been building towards. We'll do that next. This is Anthony Heron. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Big Ant Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Number one, there was obviously a lot of penalties, and, and the, the number one thing that we talked about this morning and that we believe and understand as coaches is that's no excuse in any case for us losing the game. It's something that in that moment you have to be super careful of being in the gray with this new rule, with the taunting. And any gray that you give them, they can make a decision on it, right? And it can be subjective, and that's part of the rule. It is what it is. I also say it's a very emotional game at, at an emotional time in the game. You know, you have that balance of somebody that's fighting their ass off to make a play and who makes a play and is excited. That's a part. Isn't that part of loving the game, man? You, you Passion, fire, fun, right? That's a part of the game. But when you're in the gray, there can be consequences. And I think that's the balance of us teaching that, understanding the emphasis. The tough part is, is that he made a, a great play in that moment, and it's getting overshadowed by that. And I think that's the learning tool. That was Bears coach Matt Nagy addressing some of the calls by the officials, some of the non-calls in certain situations by the officials during the game last night, and then specifically towards the end of that clip that Brandon Fryer played for you there specifically Cassius Marsh and, and the moment that extended a drive for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And honestly, in my opinion, the the Marsh taunting penalty was one of the least egregious by the officials because, you know, the, the refs could at least make the case that by rule, this was an infraction by a Bears defender. And it's so unfortunate because, you know, in, during the Monday Night Football broadcast, they're even, they flashed up fourth down because it felt like the infraction was at least recognized late. And during the broadcast, they changed the graphic, goes from third down to fourth down, Bears defenders are running off the field. And then you get Tony Carrente, who I was saying this last night during Bears postgame live, and I, I've, I've been having some pizza in the commercial break, by the way. And it, it is outstanding. It is spectacular pizza here at Moretti's during the middle light top draft. So uh, make sure if you come out here, some folks on the inside, some folks on the outside, come here and partake because uh, my – my initial reaction to what I've consumed so far, big time thumbs up. Folks did not lead me astray on the pizza here at Moretti's. But that being said, I think that Matt Nagy's reaction, what we just heard right there, was certainly a very a mature way to go about it. I know some folks were kind of thinking like, you know what, Matt Nagy, take the fine. Like, go off on the officials. Go off on the NFL. It's all good. 
I think in a different circumstance, that would maybe be the proper way to handle it. Perhaps if you have a team that displayed more consistent discipline than the Chicago Bears have, maybe you, you, know, you can kind of shoot from the hip a little bit more if you're Matt Nagy. But we have had, you know, those of us, you know, just observing and analyzing, breaking down things with the Bears. And certainly, if it wouldn't have turned into a thing where the, the officiating crew there, led by Tony Garrente, who, again, he's, he's been a very experienced official. He's led some of the better crews in the league over the years. Last night, it was an awful second half for Garrente and his crew. That being said, though, if we wouldn't have got to the point in the second half of the game where, where the referees, just universally the perception became the referees, were just doing wrong by the Bears over and over again on crucial calls, in critical moments, extending drive for the Steelers, taking points off the board for the Bears on calls that just seemed completely out of left field with no real basis in what was being seen in the moment, then the first half of that game, the Bears were already being deeply penalized. And, you know, I, you know I, I could go back and probably search Twitter more effectively and see, but I'm sure a big part of the Twitter reaction going into halftime was about Matt Nagy being, being ineffective again in, in, in enforcing the discipline that's necessary to be a high-level football team, to be a quality football team. And we've seen those examples. We even saw one where, you know, it's, it's pretty apparent at this point where, you know, Bears defenders, you're just going to have the opponent trying to goad them into flags. Unfortunately, one of the ones that took place – I think it was early in the second half from Angelo Blackson, where he's essentially just trying to shove the opposing center, Kendrick Green, former Illini offensive lineman, but a talented young offensive lineman. He's shoving the guy's hand off his chest, but he does it in a way that kind of looks like maybe he's swinging at him in the face or something like that. So he ends up getting an offsetting penalty flag in that moment. But that, just amongst a number of other examples, ended up, more so in the first half than the second half, just setting a tone that the Bears were again looking a bit disheveled, looking like they, they were just playing outside the rules too much. And we've seen that over and over again. So a team that does pretty frequently look disjointed in a hostile road environment where you're seeing false starts from an all-time great offensive tackle and you're seeing coming out of a timeout where, where the Bears have a, an illegal formation called on them, you can't have that. And this is a team that's, that's displayed a lack of discipline in, in too many critical moments for, I think, Matt Nagy to come out and just kind of come after the game, and especially the day after the game with the, the advent of a, a little space from the moment for Matt Nagy. It, it wouldn't have been the right play, in my opinion, to just say, well, it's all good because it was the ref's fault. You know, we, we don't necessarily share in the blame for what took place. So I think that the way Matt Nagy handled that part, certainly publicly with the media and, and hopefully privately with his players, just in enforcing – how critical it is, like not necessarily throwing his players under the bus, but saying that when you allow that potential from the officials to make certain calls, like the Cassius Marsh moment, that's a position that you can avoid putting yourself in. Do I agree with the call? No. But as far as Matt Nagy's tenor afterwards and the way he addressed it, I feel him on that because you've had too many of these moments where you have players with their own doing, with infractions that either extend drives or that hurt your offense. There's been too much of that with the Bears where I understand why Matt Nagy didn't just completely go off on the NFL or didn't go off on the officials and wasn't saying, I, I don't think it's about the fine money. I think it's about Matt Nagy as a coach trying to find a way to make sure he is continuing to, to reinforce what his players aren't seemingly getting. Last night was kind of the, the first big example of, of a, a second half of a game where the officials were just consistently, you know, 
not calling things in the way that seemed like it was fair to the Bears. I mean, a, a number of examples of it, the, the low block outside the tackle, but supposedly outside the tackle box, they called on James Daniels. That took the Jimmy Graham touchdown off the board. T.J. Watt, the player he was trying to cut block, wasn't outside the tackle box, and Daniels didn't even actually make contact with him. And then you had an example from earlier in the game where Minka Fitzpatrick was running in. He took the legs out from under one of the Bears' offensive linemen. That didn't even get penalized. And defenders are not allowed to do that anymore. It used to be a tactic that was taught earlier, uh, you know, years ago in football, that that's become an infraction at this point where defenders can't just run in and dive into the legs of offensive linemen. Same drive, Justin Fields. Took multiple big hits throughout. It's, you know, same drive that the, the low block ended up being called on James Daniels. But there were multiple big hits that Justin Fields took there. Now, I don't necessarily take issue with the one. There was one they didn't flag that was kind of a, a late, one of the, you know, many late awkward slides that Justin Fields has had up to this point in his career. And it's not like he doesn't know how to slide. He just needs to commit to doing it, make the decision to slide adequately and get himself out of harm's way. When he does that, and he's completely fine. He just kind of catches himself in that middle, like kind of that gray area of should I slide, should I not, should I go head first, should I go feet first? And he said, he's addressed it with the media himself, just saying that he's got this bad habit of turning his back to the defender in those moments. And it just makes things, you know, kind of difficult, kind of awkward. So he took one big hit on one of those late sort of awkward turn my back to the defender slide situations. But then there was one where he's within the pocket, just as a pure pocket passer, gets the ball out of his hands, and then here's, you know, two, three steps later, some defender busting him in the back, not flagged. And not long before that, we saw Mario Edwards get flagged for really, it, it almost seemed like he was trying to run by Ben Roethlisberger to some extent, certainly didn't lean into him, lay heavy on him, drive him into the ground or anything. That ended up getting flagged because you got this veteran aging quarterback and the refs, we've seen it historically, tend to protect those guys more so than they do young quarterbacks and certainly the Statistics are there. Certainly the young mobile quarterbacks, the guys who run around a bunch, for whatever reason, the officials, they just historically have not done a really good job of if you got a mobile quarterback, when he's in the pocket, you treat him like an actual quarterback. You treat him like a pocket passer until he leaves the pocket. You would think that just through, you know, whatever should be easy enough. He's in the pocket, throw the flag. If he's not in the pocket, you don't throw the flag. Now he's a runner. For whatever reason, referees have always struggled with that with, with these mobile QBs. But Justin Fields, he didn't get the same treatment as Ben Roethlisberger in that moment last night. But I don't mind the fact that Matt Nagy addressed it publicly, addressed it seemingly with his team, that you don't necessarily want it to come down to that. You don't want to have to count, especially Bears aren't a good enough team to say, well, we're just going to count on the officials to have to win one for us. They have to improve and make the plays necessary in that moment. The Jalen Johnson DPI, the offense drives down, takes the lead, very first play of the following series for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and one of the few times that they actually attacked Jalen Johnson and attacked him deep, tried to throw it over his head. I mean, it seemed like textbook trail defensive back coverage and, and man coverage against, uh, who was it? I think it was against uh, oh, Deontay Johnson. And he ended up getting flagged for what essentially amounts to hand fighting. You just, if you're an official, there's maybe some gray area there. But that, again, is an example of a moment where on the opposing side, Steelers wide receivers pushing off over and over again. And certainly no OPI ended up getting called there. So I think overall, the second half of the game, yes, a lot of awful calls by the officials. I don't normally tweet, spend a lot of time tweeting about refs, but there were some big moments where calls went against the Bears that seemed fairly obvious that they shouldn't have. And I know uh, social media 
probably lit up about that as well. But as far as Matt Nagy afterwards, I don't really take a big issue with him not going off about the refs because his team needs to display a lot more a lot more decorum. His team needs to make sure that they're not running to follow the rules more consistently. And that this has been a storyline too much for the Bears for, I think, for their coach to come out and say, well, we're going to make a big deal about the refs because the refs ended up jobbing us in this game. They, they need to be better than that. And the first half was not on the refs with all those flags, all those penalties that the Bears were drawing. So they got to make sure that they're on top of their game and playing within the rules in a lot of those moments. They weren't a lot of the first half. It was a lot of what stalled some of their offensive drives. It was a lot of what you know made the passing game look ineffective for a while. But then they eventually kind of got their game going in the second half and led to some of those special moments we saw late defense. Another time they weren't able to close the door on the opponents. That's something I'm looking forward to talking to Bears great Lance Briggs about that in just a few minutes here as well. Going to take a time out that we do have some Bulls talk. Coming up, because you got a team who's been balling out 7-3 and three right now, 10 games into the NBA season. And Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago is going to join us for a little bit of Bulls chat. We'll do that next, and then we're minutes away from Lance Briggs joining me to give his thoughts on what we saw last night on Monday Night Football from your Chicago Bears. We'll do that all from Moretti's here in Edison Park, Moretti's Ristorante and Pizzeria. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter and Instagram, at Big Ant Heron. You're listening to Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Big time win for the Bulls in front of 19,459, 118-95 Bulls over the Nets. And it is the final here at the United Center. Bulls win, Bulls win, Bulls win. Sparsky and Weddington. And you know what it's sounding like here on the score. After losing back-to-back games, Chicago Bulls came out, got that dub. They did so against a team during the preseason phase that a lot of folks figure at least would represent the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. And who knows, very early in the season, maybe they will. But for now, Brooklyn Nets, man, it was a competitive game through three quarters. And then the Nets end up losing by 23 points. The Bulls put it on them. Pulled away in the second half. So what an effort by the entire squad there in Chicago. What an effort by so many folks right here at Moretti's. This is the Middle Light Top Draft at Moretti's Ristorante and Pizzeria in Edison Park. I'm Anthony Heron. Bears great Lance Briggs going to join me in just a moment. we got folks out here signing up to win tickets and taking advantage of every opportunity they have here at Moretti's to do so, to try to win some tickets to Bears games. We're brought to you by Middle Light, proud beer partner of your Chicago Bears. A taste Bears fans can depend on. It's Miller time and passes to the Miller Lite top draft and Miller Lite midway for Sunday, January 2nd for that Bears game against the New York Giants. That is what folks are signing up to win. So if you come out here, make sure you take advantage of that opportunity because somebody is going to win two tickets to that game by tomorrow. But we will, as I promised, get into some Bulls discussion here. Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago on the line with me right now. And a, a squad that right now for the Bulls is 7-3 and three through 10 games, looking not only competitive, man, but, I mean, the discussion around this squad, very different. Now you can find Rob on Twitter at Rob underscore Shafe. How you doing tonight, Rob? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I've been saying it every time I've been asked about this Bulls team. Work work is uh, work is fun. This team is fun. So no complaints on my end. Yeah, no doubt, man. To, to have a fun squad playing there at the United Center, it feels like a welcome change or some of that promise that felt like maybe was there at times last season. Things weren't quite rounding into form. Rob joins me on the score hotline presented by Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home 
of the world's largest sports book. So after after last night's game, Rob, I, I was really intrigued by the way that the Bulls were able to pull away in the fourth quarter because, I mean, it's, it's not a game that was just going their way throughout the night. It's not a game they shot the three ball very well. And Kevin Durant looked like KD for the most part. What was it that allowed the Bulls to pull away in the fashion they did? Yeah, I think a lot went wrong for this team, as you hint at, through the first three quarters. But first, give them credit for hanging in to be within two points at the end of the third quarter. That gives them a chance uh, going into that final period. And then I thought once the fourth quarter started, it was that reserve-heavy lineup of Alex Caruso, Io DeSumo, Derek Jones Jr., Tony Bradley, obviously DeMar DeRozan out there with those guys. The level to which they turned up the defensive intensity on Brooklyn, obviously KD's going to get his. He got 38 and looked pretty unbothered pretty much regardless of the quality of defense being played against him. Uh, but Caruso comes in, is picking up James Harden full court from the jump of that fourth quarter. They're getting in passing lanes, driving lanes, generating turnovers, running. We know this team is prolific uh, on the fast break. And then, you know, as things started to flow offensively, as you mentioned, they enter the, the fourth quarter shooting four twenty-five from three. They finish five to six. Nikola Vucevic gets going. I think there were a lot of things that allowed them to kind of grease the wheels in that fourth quarter and sprint by the Nets, 42-17. to 17. I mean, that's a pretty remarkable margin against one of the best teams in the NBA. But to me, as it has been all season for this team when things are going well, it was the defense that ignited it, um, and then everything else kind of dovetailed from there. And the, the Bulls' schedule on the whole has already been – you know, fairly difficult, but the stretch that they have coming up is going to be uber difficult as well. You're writing about that for NBC Sports Chicago. Give folks a sense for what's on tap here moving forward over the next, what, eight to ten games. Yeah, so by the time the Bulls hit uh, their 18th game of the regular season, they'll have played 14 games in a row against opponents that were in, you know, qualified for the play-in tournament last year. So that's not fully the playoffs. There's the Warriors are in there uh, who, you know, are off to – um, a hot start in their own right. The Indiana Pacers are in there. Those were play-in teams last year. But, you know, to me, that kind of just underscores the quality of opponents that this Bulls team has gone up against so far and will continue to, um, you know, throughout the course of this week. And then they have a big West Coast trip coming up where they see Golden State, both L.A. teams, uh, Portland, the Damian Lillard, uh, Denver, obviously, with the reigning MVP and Nikola Jokic. Uh, you know, I think there was a lot of talk around this Bulls team of, oh, have they beaten anybody? Is this sustainable when they started 4-0 and were beating the Pistons and the Pelicans? Um, you know, the, the kind of lower dregs um, of the league when that mostly comprised the resume. You know, it hasn't been perfect over the last six or so games, but they have gotten quality wins over Utah. They got a comeback win on the road against Boston. That was a playoff team last year. Uh, obviously, the win against Brooklyn last night we've been through. So, uh, you know, the Philly losses are, are an ideal, but, again, that's, that's a tough team that's near the top of the league, even with all they're going through. Um, so I think the way to look at it is the Bulls have pretty much done – all you could so far passing the tests that are in front of them, um, or at least hanging tough. And then this next eight or so games at about the quarter mark of the season, they'll be 18 to 20 games into the uh, season by the time this stretch that we're talking about is over. Um, I think we'll have a really, really good sense for what this team is capable of, who they stack up against uh, in terms of kind of the top competition in the league. Uh, and that's a good thing because, you know, as much as it's been a great start, the sample sizes are still small. Um, there are still things on the offensive end that they need to work out. You know, that second quarter last night is a great example of things going uh, a little bit stagnant. Um, you know, as much as this team has performed above expectations so far this season and has the talent uh, to be one of the top four or five teams in the East, I think because it's a new group, they still have to kind of have that prove-it mentality going into every game. Um, and there are a bunch of tough tests on the horizon starting tomorrow with Luka Doncic and Dallas. So we'll see how they fare. I think the bright side for fans is that everything they've shown so far 
um, there's no reason to believe that they're not up for the challenge. Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago joining me on the Circle Resort and Casino Hotline in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And I'm wondering whether or not, because, you know, the, the DeMar DeRozan signing and, you know, limited sample size like you've been writing about here lately, but through 10 games, it's hard to even say. Like, who, who's been the best player so far for the Bulls? Has it been DeMar DeRozan? Has it been Zach Levine? And does that even matter? I think it's a good problem to have, right? I mean, it, I think they have a 1A, 1B thing going on, which is about what we expected coming into this season. Zach Levine has been, you know, wanting desperately for a teammate, uh, even approaching DeMar DeRozan's uh, caliber over the last few seasons as the Bulls team has been rebuilding. Uh, I think to this point in the season, you can pretty safely say DeRozan uh, has been the Bulls' best player. Obviously, Zach is still kind of fighting through this, uh, this thumb injury, this, this ligament sprain that he's got um, in, his off, in his off hand. Uh, but DeRozan, I mean, the, the combination of, of shot making, the way that he's kind of buoyed, um, some bench units that, you know, bench scoring is an inconsistency for this team, but DeRozan has helped mitigate that. And, you know, at, at the uh, late in some of these games that they've won, I, I think back to the, uh, the Raptors win at the beginning of the year on the road. Um, he's just such a steady hand, a calming presence down the stretch of games. Uh, he's been here and, and done that in, in big moments, uh, you know, countless times in his NBA career. And he just plays at such a intentional and deliberate pace that it's so hard to disrupt him from. I mean, his shot making in the mid range has been phenomenal. His finishing, his ability to get to the free throw line has unlocked a ton for this team uh, offensively. And, you know, I mentioned the calming presence. I think that even translates to kind of how this team has been speaking, uh, you know, in the press, how they've been acting uh, kind of uh, in their practice habits. Like he has just had such a profound effect. This is a completely overhauled roster. So it's not to say that he's the only reason that the Bulls have uh, staged this turnaround that they have to this point. Uh, But I think like not only is he an MVP of this team, I mean, 10 games in the season, it's early, but I mean, you could argue him as an MVP candidate at this point. Um, You know, is is the production he's had so far going to sustain? Not necessarily, you know, we'll see what happens, but with Nikola Vucevic struggling with this team, still waiting for Kobe white to get back with Patrick Williams sideline. I mean, DeMar DeRozan has been everything that you could ask for uh, to kind of steady this group for the time being. And uh, we'll see where it goes from here. And I don't know if it's just his outward demeanor that sort of had me fooled or what, but I've been struck by how intense DeMar DeRozan is and not necessarily just like a, a verbally boisterous kind of guy, but you know, he's, he's got the ball handle. He seeks his own shot. He can get to the rack. He's looking to dunk on folks. And defensively, there's been more activity there than I would have anticipated also. Is this, in, in some ways, an enhanced version of DeRozan over what has maybe been there the last couple of seasons? Or is it just because folks haven't necessarily watched him that closely? I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think you saw with the initial reaction to the signing that maybe people weren't paying attention to how much he had developed his game while in San Antonio. I mean, this is a guy that's still at the peak of his powers, even at age 32 and with the wealth of NBA experience that he has. But I, I agree with you. The thing that stands out to me the most watching DeMar DeRozan night in, night out, oftentimes in person, is just how uh, assured of himself he is. I mean, everything he does, he does with such a rare confidence. I mean, it comes through – um, when he speaks, uh, it comes through, you know, like I was mentioning earlier, in, in practice habits and in games. I mean, there were so many games last year for people that watched this Bulls team uh, throughout kind of that last stage uh, of the rebuild. So many games, you know, in late in games, second halves, fourth quarters, where, you know, when one thing went awry, it could kind of snowball. And uh, DeMar DeRozan is just not the type of player that allows that stuff to happen um, as often as it had been happening for this Bulls team. Um, like I said, I think his confidence is, is really trickling down 
And uh, his shot making, you know, that's been the biggest example on the court um, of how that's translated so far. We'll see, you know, he averaged seven assists in San Antonio last year. I think he's down around three, three and a half uh, for Chicago right now. So we'll see if that grows uh, throughout the year. But for the time being, I think he's doing just about everything he can to, um, to, to lead this team to, you know, ice through 10 games that we haven't seen in about a half decade. Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago here with me on the score. And as a side note, Bears great Lance Briggs in the house. Got a little healthy snack going on right now, just a few minutes away from Lance being able to break down the, the Bears, maybe even talk a little college football playoff before he gets out of here too. There's a lot going on in the football world and certainly his thoughts on what was happening with those officials in the game last night as well. He's here with me for the middle light top draft. But a few more minutes here talking some bulls with Rob Schaefer. And I'm curious, with Zach Levine, has he addressed at all how this this left, this non-shooting hand thumb injury? Because his three-point percentage right now, the way he's shooting the ball from deep, seems far less effective right now than we expect and what we've seen in recent years. But it seems to me like he's attacking the rack in an enhanced manner over what he normally does as well. So how do you see that, that left hand being banged up? And it may not heal anytime soon. How will that play into the way Zach Levine operates offensively? Yeah, there's no question his, his three-point percentage, especially, you know, the efficiency on the volume that he displayed last year. There's no question that's down since uh, this spring happened. I think he's down around 23 24% uh, since that injury uh, kind of came to light. But the thing about Zach Levine and the type of competitor he is, if he's in there, like if he's not on the injury report, he's not a guy that's going to make excuses, uh, you know, every time he's been asked about uh, the injury, kind of how he's been playing through the thumb. He's been pretty insistent that, uh, you know, it's been a pain tolerance issue and he's, figured out a way to handle the pain pretty well. Uh, it's just a matter of learning to play with kind of that tape job that he has um, on his left hand. Uh, you know, it shows up in subtle ways throughout the game. I mean, you saw earlier when he was still kind of figuring out how to play through the injury, like going to his left or crossing to his left, it seemed like there was a little bit of, um, you know, a lack of sure-handedness that you would normally expect uh, from Zach Levine going up on the left side of the rim and still finishing with his right. You know, you saw those growing pains early. Um, and while the shooting, I think, is still coming around, and, you know, who knows, it could just be a slump. I mean, that, you know, that happens to even the best um, NBA players. Uh, I, I think the thing to watch with him is how much, like you're mentioning, he can do damage inside the arc and at the rim because, you know, you look at a night like last night where he gets the 24 points um, and he was 0-4 from three, uh, but he finishes 10-17 of shooting from the field. That's still pretty efficient, especially in that first quarter. He was getting to every spot that he wanted to in the mid-range, in the lane, um, at the rim. Uh, he's a guy that Billy Donovan has been pushing to get downhill and get to the basket as much as possible since the beginning of last year because with his combination of, you know, explosiveness, um, you know, leaping ability off of his feet, his kind of finishing touch and his finesse, I mean, he's as hard a guy to stop uh, off the dribble um, as anybody in the league, whether the jump shot's working or not. So, you know, the, the, the zoomed-out numbers for Zach are, are still pretty good, even if the three-point shooting is kind of lagging behind. Um, you know, if and when that comes around, the Bulls could certainly use it because this is a team that's shooting threes at a volume lower than almost any team in the league. I mean, that's a wrinkle they could really use in their offense. But for the time being, I, I, I think it's pretty impressive the way that he's been able uh, to produce uh, injury or not. And, uh, you know, for the time being, he's just going to have to make it work, like I said, from that mid-range area and, uh, and in the paint. He's been doing it so far. And uh, if he can continue to do it, um, you know, the Bulls will certainly need it, you know, uh, as we were talking about with DeMar DeRozan earlier. Um, as those two kind of premier wing scorers, having that combination uh, of talent on the wing, on the perimeter, is such an asset in today's NBA, uh, especially at the end of games, um, that the Bulls will be in good shape. They started off 7-3 and three against this schedule, but a, an important stretch of games coming up. We know you will cover it as well as anyone, Rob. Really appreciate your time tonight, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Anthony. It was a good time. 
That was Rob Schaefer on Twitter at Rob underscore Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. And, you know, they haven't even got Nikola Vucevic going consistently. We'll see whether or not Ayo DeSumo, if he's able to sustain what he's doing coming off the bench. Man, and the United Center's been rocking, so I'm looking forward to getting out there. Also, looking forward to chopping it up with my guy Lance Briggs. We'll take a time out, get to our number two here of the Middle Light Top Draft and Bears legend. Lance Briggs joins me next here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 